On this episode of Come Pray With Me, I will be interviewing Carla. She is a Vodou priestess, and she has her own YouTube channel called Wyom Tribe, where she discusses various topics relating to Vodou. She will be sharing with us a little bit about what Vodou-issants believe and Vodou's significance to Haitian culture and history. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super happy to be here. We're happy to have you. So my first question is, what was it that inspired you to start your YouTube channel? Um, my clientele, for sure. I have been working as a voodoo priestess for a while. And before I started my own kind of business, I used to be basically my mother's spiritual assistant. So I was working with her day in and day out when she, um, in, in, in her business. So watching her clients and then getting to the point uh, years ago when I finally just take on my own, I realized that a lot of the people who come to us for work, for ceremony or anything like that, it's like they're very misinformed, even within the Vodou community, within the Haitian community, just in general, there's a lack of knowledge and like noticing how many sort of pitfalls people would fall into by accident because they weren't as knowledgeable as they could be. That basically inspired me to like, okay, there's some problems here. And the YouTube channel has been me uh, slowly but surely getting to a point where I can hopefully uh, teach the community more. You know what I mean? That's a really good point. And another part of Vodo that has misconceptions are the LOA. So what exactly are they and what is your relationship to them as a Vodo priestess? Okay. Well, for one, uh, it's pronounced LOA. It may be spelled L-O-A, but you should pronounce it like L-W-A, you know, so uh, The Lua themselves are, they are like a class of spirits, I suppose. Not necessarily, you know, gods and goddesses, as we discussed before. Um, they're not, uh, they don't always fall on equal footing. And they their origin in a lot of ways are mysterious to us as their practitioners you know obviously this is a practice that's been around for centuries and because of the uh slave trade and colonization some of the origin um knowledge definitely has been kind of uh great out for um over the last few centuries but we know them today as basically spirit guides you know they are attached to our they could be attached to your family um, through bloodline. They could be attached to you um, by marriage when you, uh, if somebody else, you know, has spirits that walk with them or through work, you know. So personally, my relationship stems, stems from all three because I have what's called a bitasium, which is basically a person's spiritual and familial um, strong, uh, like strong had an altar but that altar was for every single person in your family uh, starting with the first people who ever made any pacts or promises and throughout the generations as you continue to serve those spirits they serve you in return um, my relationship with them 
aside from being um, connected to my habitation uh, in Haiti, um, which would be for my mom and dad's side because they each have habitation, um, is also one of one that's built over time because everyone might, all Haitians could start out with habitation, but you have to be the one to nurture it. And you have to be one to build a sort of relationship with those spirits. They, if they, if they would like, they can definitely choose to continue on um, looking after you, but you strengthen your relationship by serving the spirits. And so when I mentioned work earlier, I was definitely discussing the way that I work with um, my clients again. A big part of my service to the community is helping people connect to their Bethesda. Some people uh, haven't been in Haiti or they weren't taught properly, or maybe they just are interested for some reason. And um, a big part of my job is helping them find the connection to the spirits that might want to walk with them. So sometimes spirits that don't necessarily come from my habitation, my familial lineage, those spirits that may come to me because they want me to help one of their children or one of their um, devotees, whatnot. It's uh, so it, it it can be it can be varied depending on the situation and context. That's definitely interesting. Do you have a Lua that you're particularly close to? I have several. Yeah, I mean, I'm closest to the spirits that have presented themselves to me um, in childhood that have influenced my life in like really big ways and stuff. Um, they're uh, they're the ones who walk closest with me. They're um, the ones that are probably have been most present as well. Uh, just just in general with everyday life stuff, you know, because they all have their roles. And based on the ones that wanted to walk with me, those are the ones I ended up getting closest to. So what is the significance of Bodo to Haitian culture and history? Okay. I, the best way to explain this is to go back to what I like to call the um, metaphor or analogy of three parents. I have a uh, sort of mentorship program, Odu mentorship program, that teaches people the more practical things of Odu. So you, not necessarily to practice depending on the student, but just to teach them more about tr what true Odu is. And the first lesson that I always take people through is the three parents of Vodou. Um, Haitian Vodou as it exists today is only a few centuries old because uh, Haiti itself is only, in the way that it exists today on the half of the island, it's only a few centuries old. And the religion has three parents. One being the Catholic influence of the colonizers who were over the island. They obviously didn't want the slaves um, practicing their origin spiritual practice. So um, to kind of hide their practice, they used uh, Catholic saints and prayers and stuff to represent the spirits that had already walked them. That's the first parent. The second parent that people um, sort of disregard sometimes are the native Taino people who are on the island these people, um, they had their own spiritual practice. And once the slaves came in, they kind of, um, they melted into the population, you know, 
they were already dying out, but their spiritual practice was still alive. The mountains and amongst the societies were able to um, pass down. And the third parent, I suppose, would be, of course, the African people who brought over their traditions after the Middle Passage. Now, the when all these things kind of came to a head um, in the late 1700s, right before uh, the Haitian independence was declared in 1804, the spirituality was at the forefront because while people were like engaging in guerrilla warfare, or slave masters and everything, um, there were these Black Haima ceremonies popping up different areas of Haiti. There are a couple, I think there are like a couple main ones. And those are the ones people like really talk about, like that is the Boakaima. But the um, but there were more than there were most likely more than two. And basically at this ceremony it was a time where all um sim- French sympath- French sympathizers, uh African slaves, uh Taino or um, you know, Taino um ethnic groups came together and they prayed to their spirits. They had a grand ceremony and asked for their spirits to basically um, free them from their favor. Now, all those things came to a head in the late 1700s and as news spread across Haiti about the um, this ceremony and these spirits that were, uh, that may have given other slaves the power to free themselves and empowered them to free themselves as well. So the Haitian independence, well, the slave revolution that became the Haitian and became literally the entire Republic of Haiti, um, in some ways owes itself to all the spiritual people who came together because they wanted to be free. Even though voodoo isn't as... I suppose as popular as it was back then, we it's directly tied to the origin of the Haitian people. Before then, they were African slaves. They were, um, you know, French um, colonizers and whatnot. After that Black Haima ceremony, they basically became the Haitian people that they were. So Vodou, if you do know the story and do understand uh, its effect and how it ties into the people, is extremely significant to our origin as a people and the influence of Haitian culture over voodoo and the influence of voodoo over Haitian culture. You can see it if you know where to look. So one could say that it had a very uh, unifying factor. I think that's one of the craziest things today. Uh, Voodoo is not as unified as it used to be, but when it was and one of the biggest moments and significant moments of our history was as a direct result to us unifying as a people under a um, under the Vodou, within a Vodou community. So my next question is, does Vodou have any major holidays? And if so, what is the significance behind them? Okay, so... Yeah, we have um we don't have major holidays, but we do have our our season of ceremony, which is what I like to call it. It's not the actual name, but basically it's just a few times during the year where we um where major spirits are celebrated because there are so many. It would it would basically be impossible to keep track of every single spirit that existed within the pantheon. 
but there are like top let's say top 20 probably that are just well known throughout Haiti and celebrated it about the same time so because there's so many people kind of getting into things and kind of hopping onto the celebration then you could say that they would um that that would constitute as the few times a year where we tech where we sort of have a holiday um the, I think there are also one that kind of falls around the same time as uh, the, car- the Haitian carnival in Haiti so it can definitely be a pretty festive time for the Haitian people during the seasonal ceremony. Well, that's really cool. I've seen uh, pictures of some of these ceremonies and they're absolutely fascinating, especially um, the one where you see everybody in white and they go down to this river. That was my first genuine introduction to voodoo. Was that a painting? I think so. Yeah. And they were all going down into this river together for um, a sort of ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely something that could happen because within there are so many there you could have a ceremony just about anywhere, but there is a sort of elemental aspect of voodoo where you're very connected to nature, you're very connected to the land underneath your feet, you know. So sometimes people will go to rivers or you know just the foresty areas, I suppose, in Haiti. Um, if you don't have, if you're not doing it in your backyard and white is a very popular color to wear during, uh, during ceremony. So what are some of the ways that Vaudoisants use prayer in their faith? Well, it would depend on how you, uh, uh, on the context for sure, because a lot of times prayer is Traditionally in the West, you know, from my time here in the U.S., if you're talking prayer, you're probably thinking about asking something of God, you know, and some people will tell you that it is your way of connecting to God, I suppose. Um, though for Vodavizant, uh, there are like different reasons why you might want to connect or speak to your And technically, I suppose you could say call them prayer, but sometimes you are announcing yourself. You know, that's, hmm, how would I describe announcing yourself? It's like, imagine if when you asked for certain things, you had to like be your own herald, you know, you had to be like, like, you know, Sarah Walsh on the way, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like on the way, meeting so-and-so and such or whatnot. So you announce yourself. Um, when you're trying to do some, when you want to ask something of your spirits, other times you announce your spirits when you want to ask something of them. Um, sometimes when you what during spiritual work, you want to make amends for what you're trying to accomplish or the outcome that you'd like to see as a result of the work you're doing. Um, and technically, those those situations, uh, be you it could be counted as um, prayer. There's also something called the Priya Guinea, which is when you try and connect with your um, connect with your ancestry and with your Bibasyang, like we spoke of earlier, for the sake of something. The um, also hold on one last thing. So depending on the person and the way that they practice, some people allow more Catholic and um, Christian influence into their practice than others. Earlier, you know, I did tell you about the three parents of Voodoo, and 
depending on the person, you might see a Bible or they might work with Psalms very often and they just might pray more than the, um, more than another Vodhisattva. It doesn't necessarily mean that either one is wrong. And it doesn't necessarily mean that like any Vodhu practice is like less valid than the other, but it might just be because of this person was raised with, um, because at the end of the day, prayer is more, it's just a habit, you know, it's a physical habit that you do trying to enact a spiritual response, whether within yourself or outside yourself. So the um, Catholic influence might definitely uh, be a reason for prayer. Do you have any prayers you would like to share with us today? Um, not particularly. Uh, that just the, the prayer that's most significant to me is I'm one of those people who prefers to keep things uh, separate from the Catholic influence as possible uh, because of all the harm that it really does to to the original um, practice, but I um, but I'll never get rid of it completely because it's the its influence has made Voodoo into what it is today for in a lot of different ways. But the prayer that I am most likely to do is the one where I have announced myself for the sake of something, you know. And that prayer kind of goes. It's different for everybody because you have to say. Um, your lineage. So I'd be like me, Carla Jean, daughter of so-and-so and so-and-so, daughter of so-and-so and so-and-such, son of so-and-so and so-and-such. You go back like three generations. So it's good to have like the names of the three generations that came before you um, just memorized because that prayer is really helpful in focusing your intent and calling on your bitasyam. The Vita itself isn't just a bunch of spirits. It's a, it's a bunch of spirits that have walked with people in your bloodline who owe you a debt. You might owe them a debt too, by the way, but they owe you in some ways service. So when you know how to properly call on them for whatever kind of service they might give to you so that, and you to serve them in return, then it makes your it makes it um, it makes your work more effective. It's a good metaphor for this would be um, calling, sending letters to people when you don't know their address. You know, if you know somebody's address, you know um, you have your tracking number. You know your letter is going to get there, and you know they're going to answer if they actually get the letter. That's um, this prayer is very important to Vodou, and it's probably one of the reasons why so many people cannot um accidentally like call on spirits it's hard to accidentally do this kind of thing without truly being connected to Vodou through Vitasya because this um this prayer like many other parts of Vodou are very specific in the ways very specific in the practice the prayer that I'm talking about it's um like it's probably some of the first kinds of prayers that were ever done with the spirit which is why it's still so significant practice now. Is there anything else you would like to talk about on the show today? Yeah, actually, I um, I am curious, like for you as, you know, someone just looking in from the outside and everything, like what is, what what are your first impressions or any kind of impressions you have about Vodou in general? 
for me, the thing that interested me the most were the big personalities of the different Lua, like Baron Samadhi or Agwe or Izili Freda or Papa Legba. They all have very distinct characteristics that make them unique. Like, you know, Baron Samadhi is associated with death, but he's not actually like ominous. Like in a way, he kind of likes to party and have fun. And you see altars where people leave him things like uh, cigars or like whiskey or something. So uh, to me, that was fascinating just because the way I was raised, death was sort of a taboo, but in a to have people just acknowledge that as just being a natural part of life and to not be scared of that was really fascinating to me. Like in a way they're kind of larger than life but at the same time, they also have a lot of human characteristics that make them more relatable since, you know, everybody kind of likes to party and let loose. Or then there's um, Israeli Freda who kind of likes the finer things in life, which we can all relate to, you know, and um, hearing about how some devotees do these sort of um, special baths that might have roses in them. So I think for me, that was what I really latched onto and what really dove me into learning more about it. And there was also a, um, an old play that had uh, Jeffrey Holder and his wife, uh, Carmen de Lavalade, where she was Maman Brigitte and he was Baron Samedi and they were both dancing together and recreating the, the story of how they met and became married. And it was really cool because they ended up actually getting married later on. You know, it's um, it is kind of interesting seeing the way that Vodou is interpreted by outsiders, because as someone who was raised in religion, I didn't really, I didn't notice a lot of things were weird or different until I maybe mention it to somebody else, or I look at the way that somebody else has lived um, their lives or whatnot. I know the difference between religions. So like, you know, there's this huge sort of debate within Haitian community. Like, people can't really decide whether or not they're going to be Hoduis, not they're Christian, or have their feet, you know, kind of uh, towing the line of both sides. And, but, you know, for me, it's like, it's a very familial relationship, you know, like the spirits that walk with me and kind of guide my family and everything. These spirits are more like, it's like the princess and the frog thing, you know, they're like friends on the other side, I suppose. Um, and the part where um, the movie where he kind of goes and it turns out he um, was like feeding them blood or whatnot. And they like, you know, turned against him in the end and whatnot. That's, um, that's just like one of the ways that people can interpret because in, because so much of the context of everything that happens is missing. You hear stories about uh, these spirits and you hear stories about what happened to one person, but you don't know what it means in the grand scheme of Vodou. I think that's probably, um, that's probably been the driving force for me to with educating people and starting my mentorship program and like helping and just like really just trying to educate people in general because so much of what do is like held in the hands of a bunch of old people <laughs> like literally because the best what do is taught by 
um, by elders, like grandfathers, grandmothers, whatnot. They're not on, they're not on Instagram. They're not probably not on YouTube. They're probably not anywhere that you really have access to them. So until you get that information, you'll just always be in the dark. You know what I mean? That's a really good point. So it is fascinating to me, like just what just seeing what other people think of things and everything and trying to see how people can relate to the spirits that, that they hear about. Um, I think that people have a tendency of making the loi very one-dimensional. Like this spirit is good for luck. This one is good for love. This one is good for success. That one is good for death or whatever and whatnot. And so they, so it's like they become like I don't know, like arm bracelets. You collect as many as you can. To do as much as you can. Um, but the spirits that walk with you probably walked with your parents probably walked with you, are going to be walking with your grandparents and all that because they look after you because they had a relationship with your parents get a relationship with your family so there's this like thing in voodoo um, culture itself where you will say so and so like the name of the spirit let's say Ezri Fuida it'll be like Fuida who walked with my mother or Fuida from my father's side or something like that um, and there is like this mystical bouncer <laughs> and this mystical bouncer who like, who, like, who do you know, man? Who do you know in the club? <laughs> you don't, you, do you have an auntie or something or like a father, a mother, something in practice. Because if I, if you don't know anybody in this club, like we're not lifting this, um, you know, this curtain for you to come by in the back. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, I think that's, I think that's probably one of the most, interesting things for me looking I suppose being inside the club and looking at everybody from the outside and I'm just like "Mm." voodoo is a voodoo and one last thing is that people don't know and some people have abandoned this ideology so I wouldn't recommend it voodoo is definitely about community you know it can't exist within a bubble and it's hard to be a singular practitioner because the religion itself is built on so many um, so many community-based aspects. You know, the concept of ceremony, the way that spirits interact, the way that you interact with spirit and the way that we present, honor, and devote ourselves to spirit. It's all very, very community-based. So when you brought up like how uh, connected everybody had to be for Black Haima and how it just reminded me of how disconnected we are now in some you know in some ways and how that's probably uh, much to our detriment. That's a very good point and I really appreciate that and thank you again for being on the show today. Yeah absolutely thanks for the uh, thanks for the invite really excited to see how this uh, turns out I love discussing photo, obviously. So, <laughs> so you chose that. If you are interested in learning more about Vodou, Carla has her own YouTube channel called Wyom Tribe and several social media accounts under the same name. I also found the book Haitian Vodou by Mambo Chidatan very helpful when doing research for this episode.